It's my podcast today. Change, change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on? It is another Monday. I'm so excited. Um, I'm excited because, look, I look forward to these Mondays. I mean, 7 o'clock has become a staple for me, and I look forward to just sharing and talking with you. Um, A lot of you guys are beginning to do some uh, searching on LinkedIn. I see you, I see you, I see you, and thank you so much um, for going on LinkedIn, and some of you are finding rss.com that way. Some of you are now beginning to use um, the Apple uh, podcast uh, source, and then others are still on, uh, what is that, Spotify. Um, either way, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is exciting. I'm enjoying uh, the ride, and I think that it's important that we are continuing to have uh, these conversations there. And so for those of you that might be joining for the very first time, my name is um, Andre Anderson. I'm both the host and the founder of this wonderful company that is on the move. Uh, So anyways, I want to jump right into this. We've got a really good conversation today. Um, It's called Take the Shot. Uh, Again, let me just repeat that. Uh, Take the Shot. So uh, don't judge me, um, but I am a a James Bond fan. Um, I've watched all James Bond, uh, including the uh, latest guy, what's his name? Roger Craig. I hope I didn't slaughter his name. If I did, then I may have to like apologize to him, but that also creates a good opportunity to meet him. So anyways, this guy, uh, the last uh, James Bond, I've enjoyed having him as the main character of 007. So here's where we start. Um, in the opening scenes of one of the last movies, uh, he's on this train and uh, he has this mandate that he's supposed to take out this bad guy, okay? So they're on top of this train, and they're fighting. And it doesn't start on top of the train. It starts in the train, and then, of course, you know, like, they always embellish um, the fight scenes. Uh, To make a long story short, they're now on top of this train, and the train is going at a high speed, and it's moving towards this tunnel. And James Bond is supposed to get this guy or take him out, kill him, uh, before they get into the train, because if the if he doesn't get to him at that time, uh, they're going to go through this mountain, and there's no telling whether or not they'll be able to get him. So, you know, James Bond always has like a side lady, <laughs> and this side lady happens to be a Marx person. Like she shows up in the movie as an administrator, but she apparently has some skills with the long range rifle. So here they are. James is on this uh, train. Uh, This woman is in a car. She's not on the train. James Bond is on the train. She's in the car. She's taking out her rifle. But then she's also taking some instruction from the headquarter uh, in the UK, right? Uh, M1 or M3, whatever her name is. Like She's like in her earpiece saying, do you have a shot? Do you have the shot? And then she's like, I don't have the shot because, you know, while she's getting this instruction from um, the headquarters who is not on site to really see what's actually happening, um, she's trying to adjust her gun to, to take out this bad guy. But James Bond is like having this full out to the death fight um, with this guy. And the truth is, even if she's about even if she's able to make the shot, it's probably going to be the best shot ever. 
So anyways, um, you know, the headquarters, M3, M1, whatever the name is, she's like, take the shot, take the shot. And she's like resistant to taking the shot, not because she's disobedient, um, but she's resistant to taking the shot because in reality, because they're fighting the way that they are, if she misses, she may hit James, James Bond. Um, and if she does hit the shot, then she's probably going to go down in history. So they've got all of these different variables and pieces that they have to like work with, right? So you've got this moving train, you've got these two men that are fighting, you've got this tunnel that is approaching very quickly, you've got this person that's in this car that has this gun, and then you've got somebody that's like in her ears, like just yelling and getting more and more intense, take the shot, take the shot. And here's the thing, she takes the shot and James gets hit. I think that's how it goes. Like I was trying to watch it, but I didn't feel like renting it. But James takes the hit on this shot, okay? And they don't really resolve at that part of the movie uh, whether or not she actually hits the target, but I believe James also gets hit by this bullet. Now, as I was like sitting down thinking about it, like from a leadership perspective, right? Because that's what we do, building something that lasts, BSTL. This is us talking about all things leader. So there's some complexities here, right? So let me start off with front lines um, first and foremost. So, you know, James Bond, he is like one of their best employees. And, and, and here's the thing, throughout the years of James, James Bond, even though the character or the name, the actor changes, the character is consistent. You know, Sean Connery and some of these other people that did it before him, like 007 doesn't go anywhere. It's just, it's a different actor. So one of the things we know about James Bond is that, you know, he's always living on the edge. Um, he's, he's not necessarily one that likes to take uh, instructions, but the truth is he's all for uh, the organization, right? So that's one piece to it. Uh, we also make an observation in his life, um, in his service to this undercover co uh, um, company, organization, that no matter where they send him, he will go. He is faithful. He's committed. Um, people trust him. He gets the job done. Uh, look, James Bond is what everybody would like to have in their organization. You know, even with some of his shortcomings, that guy, you can never question his heart. But then you also have this M3, M2, M1, whatever the number is. I'll figure it out one of these days. Um, she's also a staple, right? Because James Bond has to take instruction from somebody, right? And so it's her. Like, she's the one that is constantly pushing and pulling and giving him his assignment and so on and so forth. And here's the reality. Like, he's okay with the position that he has. Even though he's powerful, he's strong, he's innovative, he's able to execute, it looks as though he's satisfied with where he is in the organization. And he's got longevity, right? He's been there for a long time, and so therefore everybody knows 007. He is loved by those that love him and hated by those who can't stand him. We also know that James Bond has, uh, you know, some challenges. Like, there's always a woman in each movie, and that seems to be the thing that is either going to make him thrive or it often brings him to the brink of death because he's always got this assignment that he has to fulfill as well as he's got this love interest thing that he's also looking at as well. So that's James Bond. That's his leaders. That's what it looks like.
So what makes this particular movie interesting to me is we're talking about taking the shot. There is a dilemma of what happens when you have to make a decision. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, they have to get this bad guy. They've got to kill the bad guy. Uh, that bad guy's got to die because that bad guy is responsible for killing literally hundreds of people. So we've got to wipe him out. I understand the assignment, okay? But here's what the struggle is. You've got this headquarters that's nowhere near to where they are in this country riding this train recklessly. They're not there. Uh, they have to depend on James Bond and this other woman to be the eyes and the ears of this operation. They're about to, you know, fail the exercise. They've done everything that they can, and they've got one shot that they've got to take. And this woman that's got this rifle, who's probably never taken this shot before, she has to make a decision. Now, let me tell you what the decision is, and then we're going to roll right into this conversation. She's got to either disobey what her direct reports are asking her to do, or she's got to obey them and take the shot. Or she can disobey them and perhaps save her friendship with uh, James Bond. Or she can shoot and say, hey, it is what it is. I've got to take these instructions. Now, here's the flaw. Here's the challenge. And maybe I shouldn't call it a flaw. Here's the challenge that I'm like dealing with as I'm watching this movie. So the thing is, is that James Bond has become indispensable in a sense. And here's the reality. To anybody that has watched James Bond, you know and I know that they are constantly sending him into uh, some difficult situations where he may or may not come out with his life. But this is one of those extreme moments. Like this is one of those moments where it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more risque. It's a little bit more of all of the above. This woman who is charted now with this long-range rifle to shoot this enemy and somehow hit the enemy without hitting James, she's got to struggle with whether or not she is going to follow through on the direct command or is she going to disobey, which saves her friend's life, but it may cost her her career. And here's the thing. As I'm watching this thing, and of course I'm looking at it from a leadership perspective, I think that it must be a difficult for her because sometimes, you know, as leaders, um, we, we have individuals that they are responsible um, for executing a plan that we have. Now, you know, the plan may be a good plan. Um, it may be a good plan in light of the mission and vision and core values and objectives of the organization. But often those that have um, given the instruction, the directive, they are in a space that is completely um, separate from where the action is actually happening, right? Uh, so there's somebody in a room that's got a spreadsheet. They've got um, data that's there. Uh, they've got some information that speaks to what the challenges are and what uh, perhaps people are going through. Uh, but they don't necessarily have a pulse on what's happening in the room, um, in the front lines, in the office, in some of the other spaces. And so while there's somebody that's in this earpiece saying, uh, take the shot, they don't understand that there's, a, there's an entire experience within that directive. And the experience is this, that how do you expect me 
to take this very difficult shot that you've never yourself proven that you can take, how do you expect me to do that with somebody that I've been working closely with and intimately with? How do you expect me to do that to them? And here's the reality. I, I think that sometimes as leaders, we think we, we forget how difficult it is um, for people to pull the, the, the trigger on decisions that don't necessarily come from the front lines. And here's the thing, I, I maybe here's what I'm saying, and I know that some of you might not agree with me because you'll say, look, organizationally speaking, your CFO and your CEO, they have a certain responsibility. That's why they have different individuals that report to them and others that report to them. And I understand that there's this whole continuity of business um, layout, uh, and I understand that. But every now and then there are uh, situations, things that happen organizationally that while you may have somebody else that is paid to do the thing and they may be able to do the thing, somebody else that has created that idea, that way forward, they've got to come out of the office and they've got to take that shot um, themselves. Now, let me tell you why they've got to come out. Because sometimes when we talk about taking that shot or pulling the trigger, and of course, it's a metaphor. It's not real. We're not talking about a real gunfight. It's a metaphor for making the tough decisions and following through. I think sometimes as leaders, we forget that when we ask people to execute things that have never been done before, and we ask them to do things to other coworkers that they have relationships with, that they've been working with, and even though that person may be struggling to produce and do the right thing, it's not as easy as it sounds through the email, through the phone call, through the text message. Go ahead and fire them. Go ahead and demote them. Go ahead and transfer them to another department. Like, sure, you have the right to do all of that stuff, but when you do it, the impact is a lot more far-reaching than you are anticipating because you are so far removed from whatever is happening, you don't see the residual. Now, here's the residual. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. When difficult things have to happen, and somebody in an office that's way across the country, in another country, because, you know, we've got um, organizations where the head office is in a different country from where everything else is happening. Here's the reality. Sometimes when those decisions, hard decisions, have to be made and somebody makes the decision, it interrupts the overall culture and unity and harmony of what's happening. You know, like the other time in, in a previous podcast, uh, we were talking a little bit about some structuring that had happened in another organization and, and people had made some decisions about what the changes needed to be and they started to make decisions and they followed through on the decisions. And after those decisions were made, here's the thing, everybody else that's working on the front line is like, why did they do that that way? That doesn't make sense based on what we generally do around here. And here's the thing. When you're asking people to take the shot that you are initiating, you, you, you also have to give them some room to push back and or to find another way to accomplish the thing. Because even though the objective is get the bad guy, get the enemy, increase productivity, um, improve morale, and the list may go on and on. How that happens, we have to trust those that report to us. We've got to leave some room for them to make some of those decisions. So here's the other thing, too. 
as this woman is now aiming towards James Bond, but hoping to hit the enemy, if she misses the enemy and hits James Bond, think about the impact to the organization. Because here's the thing, everybody in that head office is listening to, to this woman say, take the shot, take the shot. But here's what she's also saying. She's also saying in that moment that the objective of getting the enemy, we will do everything and anything, which is also inclusive of losing some of our best employees in order to make that thing happen. And I don't know, uh, maybe because I've never had to make that kind of a decision before, uh, I hope uh, maybe I don't ever have to make that kind of decision. If I had to, I think I could. Um, but the reality is, for those that are looking, here's what they now discover, that the organization is more important than the people who are working within it, and that we are willing to sacrifice uh, good employees that are committed and on time and whatever, but maybe they lack the skill sets to turn and push and move into wherever this pandemic is taking. When people see that you are willing to shoot your best in order to uh, meet the objective, I think by and large, what will end up happening uh, is that people will begin to check out from the organization. And I'm talking to leaders today, um, because sometimes you, 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 you we, us, um, we, we, we don't always look at the blind spots behind a decision. You know, not too long ago, I observed in an organization where there was a very difficult decision that had to be made. Um, and the decision was made. And I liken it unto this train ride um, with James Bond and this enemy and this woman who's got to take the shot. And here's the reality. After that shot was made and some adjustments organizationally had to be made, I noticed that there was also a ripple effect on the overall morale of those that were connected uh, to the individual that is a part of that organization. And here's what I'm actually saying. I don't know that there is ever a decision that must be made that is that difficult that cannot be solved in a different way before you get to this panic mode. And I think that there's something to be said about that head office, right? We're still analyzing this James Bond flick in light of leadership changes and how leaders make decisions. Here's what I'm saying to you. Why do they have only one opportunity to get this enemy? Is there not another way that they could have used beforehand in the days in advance? Is there not another way? Or knowing that you might take out your brightest and your best, maybe you just call off the dogs for a little bit. Maybe you allow the enemy an opportunity to live to see another day to ensure that you don't shoot the good people of your organization because they're not just employee numbers, right? They're not just individuals who are just there. They have families. They have aging families. They have children that are in college and university. They've got car notes that they've got to pay. They've got mortgages. And here's the thing. When, pe when we shoot, um, when we take that shot, the residual damage doesn't always show up in the paperwork, especially if it comes to the point where you're now having uh, to fire people and let people go. See, one of the things I've discovered is sometimes we allow uh, challenges that um, our organizations face, we allow them to linger for such a long time that the only way that we can solve those problems is to take difficult shots. 
um, my parents are Jamaican, and so they have a saying um, that I've always internalized. And the saying that they have is that prevention is better than cure. In other words, what they're saying is, look, there are a couple of ways that you can manage things and lead things. You can wait for the last minute, you know, like those papers and assignments that you've got to do when you're in university and college, or you can plan early in the semester and do all that you can do to ensure that you have gotten it taken care of on time. And here's the reality. For those of us that lead, and because of our own temperaments, and perhaps even sometimes we are pinched a little bit because our direct reports, when we go and we say, hey, there's a problem that needs to be solved, those that um, are, are carrying the bigger stick, those that make the real decisions that move the organization forward, sometimes we, we have to wait for them uh, to go through their own political process, the, the trampoline jumping, the, uh, the political correctness, and we talked about that recently. You know, the reality is sometimes these things that we see happening in organizations where all of a sudden one person has to now take a shot because somebody else didn't have the courage to deal with that issue earlier in, in, in the um, organization's life, you've now put somebody in jeopardy. And so here's the thing. It's not just that people will check out when they see that, um, you know, you, you're willing to take out your brightest and your best. The other thing that will also happen is that after a while, they will become silent. Because here's the thing. This woman that's got this long barrel gun, it doesn't seem as though she has an option. It's, it's either she shoots or she doesn't shoot. And if she doesn't shoot, she doesn't have her job. So here's what people then do. They'll say, hey. Since I have no choice, I will just now become quiet. And I think quiet is a tough place to be for any organization because one of the things that I've discovered is that while a few people can make some okay choices, I have found that collaboration in leadership whereby you allow many people to talk about a particular thing and have their voice in the room and their voice in the ring, one of the things that I've discovered is you can make a better decision with more people than with few people. And I know that this challenges some organizations, right? Because some of the organizations that we work for, that we have worked for in the past and or that we will work for in the future, we've created this culture where the selected or the privileged few make the decision for the many. And unfortunately, I don't know if I subscribe to that. I'm, I'm having a little bit of a difficulty really racking my brain around that because here's what I understand, that when you look at um, how many organizations are doing partnerships, uh, the, you're, you're looking at companies that are now merging with other companies that may not even sell the same product, but they understand that they have a similar bottom line. Collaboration just seems to be the way moving forward. So my thing is, is that maybe we have to be careful not to be organizationally in a position where we are taking this one difficult shot, but we're creating an environment where we are, are, are creating a system that allows for us to uh, give enough time and work um, for longer periods of time, looking at some of the blind spots when we make specific decisions. Because here's the thing. There are a lot of people that sleep well at night because they don't ever have to think about the financial piece. They can go to bed at night 
um, because they've got six figures and seven figure jobs that they are uh, working with him. But here's the problem. Some of the brightest and the best people of our organization that have created this currency and financial consistency to whereby we are thriving within these organizations, they don't make a lot of money. But I promise you, when you begin to lose those kinds of people, your organization is going to tank. And the reason why it's going to tank is because you cannot put a price tag on commitment. And maybe I'm saying all of that to say this. You cannot put a price tag on somebody who is legit committed to your organization. They are honest. They may not be perfect. Uh, They may have some flaws to them, but they are committed. And because they are committed, you've got several of those individuals that come on time, they leave on time. They don't call in sick. They take their breaks. They come back on time. And the culture of that is really what has you thriving. And maybe it's not even the star people that you look for, right? Because every organization is looking for the next deliverer. Uh, the next whatever. And the truth is sometimes we hang our hats on a a few of the brightest and the best, but the reality is they've got some skill sets, but they're not the thing that's making the organization go round and round. And so maybe here's what I'm saying on this conversation around taking the shot. You're not just shooting at the enemy. If you miss, you may create some collateral damage that your organization will never be able to recoup from. Because here's the dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about. When those that operate under integrity and authenticity and transparency, when those people walk away from organizations, it changes the way that that organization is able to compete. Because it may not be on the resume, but those are the people that make the world go round. And maybe here's what I'm saying. Maybe the reason why it's so hard to kill 007 as a character is because his character is loyal. He believes in the organization. He believes in the work that he's doing. He's doing the best that he can, flaws and all. And while he's out there on that train risking his life for people who are not in the room, the least you can do is if you're going to shoot, make sure that that's the best shot. Because if you miss... James Bond will never be the same again. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder. And again, if you'd like to, reach out to me, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. But this is the conversation today. Are you going to take the shot? Leaders, it's up to you. But know this, if you miss, you may change your organization forever. See you guys next time. All right, everybody, There, here is the recap for today. Um, Number one, as a leader, when taking the shot, you've got to implement the best plan possible for your frontline workers. Sometimes you have to put yourself in their shoes. Number two, ensure that your overall decision does not impact or interrupt the harmony of the organization. Avoid the residual or collateral damage wherever possible. Number three, remember that prevention is better than cure. Address the issues as they arise and decrease the panic mode effect. And number four, value the worth of your frontline workers. Give them the best shot possible. Um, A miss can change you and your organization forever.
Take care until next time.